Welcome to Beyond the Document, the podcast from Formpipe that looks to lift the lid on everything that is document, output, and customer communication management. And this month, a big hello to Patricia Moore of DXC. Trish brings with her vast experience from over 25 years experience providing solutions within financial services. And based on some of those journeys Trish has seen banks go on, today we're going to focus on how we can help accelerate change through banking digitization. So Trish, welcome. And before we get started, I'm looking forward to you giving us a bit of background on your career, given that your CV includes some of the biggest vendors out there, such as SAP, IBM and Oracle. So maybe you can give us a bit of an introduction to your current role at DXC and also some specific career highlights. Yes, good morning, Ben, and thank you for inviting me to this podcast this morning. Yes, um, I'm glad you pointed out it's over 25 years. Um, But yes, I have been in the industry for some time, started off as an application developer and then a systems analyst for a company called Digital uh, Equipment Corporation, which is now part of AHP, and did a lot of work in manufacturing, being based in the north of England, so British Aerospace, uh, Unilever, Shell, doing projects around workflow, probably the early days of CRM, uh, all sorts of projects that were, you know, based on uh, the technology we had at the time. And then I moved into IBM for nearly 20 years. So uh, again, involved with uh, lots of projects, um, anything really to do with the mainframe originally, because I was in the mainframe team. So working on very much disaster recovery, storage management with the, uh, the early days of Tivoli, and then through to working in banking systems. And that's where I've been for probably over 20 years now, working in banking, insurance and different financial institutions. Did a lot of work for the FCA when I was with the IBM as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, moving through, I've been involved with anything from payment systems, core banking, working with some of the biggest vendors there like Temenos and Finastra, working through obviously CRM projects and in insurance with uh, one of the leading farmers insurance companies in Stratford-upon-Avon. We did a big project around Know Your Customer, building the CRM systems with Microsoft Dynamics around their claims management system. So yeah, it's been a long and very interesting career. And although I've been more in sales, Coming from a technical background, uh, I always like to have a hands-on with my customers and really understand their requirements, running workshops with our architects and solution people, and doing the same now with DXC, very much working with the pre-sales and delivery teams so that I really have a good understanding of the customers' projects and needs, and then being able to work with those teams in an intelligent way rather than just saying, here's the project, get on with it and sign in the contract. So very, very much would like to uh, engage with the customers and really build that relationship with them. It's so important, isn't it, that we fully appreciate the, the challenge that organisations are facing. Um, it's something that I think in, in, in the past in maybe product sales is missed, but when we're talking about a software solution, you've got to be able to fully appreciate the landscape. And it moves into what we're talking about today, which is really quite an old and and common issue where banks or financial services institutions are looking to digitize their existing business. Because I think what you have alluded to there, Trish, is is the challenge that they face is normally they have these well-established and trusted operational systems. You mentioned mainframes there. You know, they can date back to maybe the noughties or even late 90s. So they're, they're well proven and working, but they can hold back the modernization of the bank. So... 
G given that landscape, what type of challenges have you seen over the years for, for banks? The challenges really have been um, taking that leap of faith really into the digital world. Um, you know, because they're not in such a competitive world, I think they've come into it now, but they haven't been in that competitive world as you are in manufacturing. If you don't get the car design right, you ain't going to sell that car and you're going to lose market share. I think the banks have only just started to realise they're in a more competitive world with the challenger banks, but also the way payments particularly is changing, where you might have an internet provider like an AWS or somebody who actually can become part of a financial institution and deliver faster payments as we're all moving into at the moment. So I think the challenges have started to happen more in the last five to 10 years. And we've seen that they, they, they need to actually build around this core system. Some of them have taken that leap and actually replaced those core systems. I think you'll probably see that more in the um, perhaps tier twos and tier threes. It's still so difficult for a tier one bank to move because there's so much invested in that system. And what we tend to forget coming, particularly from an IBM background, these systems are 365, 24 seven. If you've got a 99.9% .9 up rate, then it's very difficult to say, we're gonna to move to something that might only be a 97% up rate. It, yeah, and it's money at the end. There's cost and the challenge of that new technology because, you know, you're moving to something that maybe you haven't got all the skill sets in. You're worried that they're a new vendor on the block. What's their referenceability like? You know, what's it like going forward? Are they going to be, you know, bought and therefore the software may stagnate? Uh, whereas, you know, we have seen companies like Oracle, SAP, DXC has merged into a, a new name now and, and IBM have been around, you know, 50, 60 years, you know, perhaps not quite SAP, but, you know, it's a long time that you've worked with these vendors and their systems have been proven. So I think what we have to do is, is, is talk to the customers and really say, well, you can do a lot without at this point in time doing a rip and replace. We can work with you to slowly move to as we always say you know it's um it's not a revolution you know it's an evolution uh, and moving forward slowly but we can do an awful lot around those core systems to actually make them more functional and make them more digitized and create that know your customer single view of the customer and deliver a better customer experience with those people who have their accounts and mortgages and loans with you and that's really interesting because you're bringing that back to your first point about, uh, you know, being competitive. And I guess that's where the, the end customer, the focus on the end customer and their experience of your bank or, or your process is the thing that's important there. Um, because it, it, it must be daunting to, to do something like a core banking platform change because there's so many different departments involved. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. So taking that on a, a step then and thinking about examples where we can make that difference and introduce change a little bit quicker and digitization and ultimately help, um, you know, help the client turn a profit on, on the project. I mean, we see it quite a bit ourselves. We're, we're often involved where our clients are looking to embrace cloud technology and they'll start with one part of their business. And mainly the driver is to reduce the capital cost of, of on-prem, but then also take advantage of, of the tools and the functions that you've got within the cloud, you know, for 
accessing the data and analysing it as well. So with that in mind, what, what kind of digitisation opportunities do you see? Very much so. I mean, we've been working very closely this year with the Building Society Association, and I was on a panel last week, and they they are starting to realise obviously they have to make change as the banks are, and I think the step towards cloud and the way they've embraced it in the last five years. If you went back just over five years, really, you know, a lot of the big players like a Barclays or a HSBC was slightly reticent to move into the cloud until we had born in the cloud applications that were a must have. So I think, you know, that was also driven by Microsoft with the Dynamics platform, but also you could say our big competition, Salesforce. If you wanted to go down a certain path with a lot of these providers, there was the Appians and the Pegas doing, uh, you know, solution development, they were all cloud born. So if you wanted that application, you had to go to the cloud and then you had to make the decision how you did that, whether you kept it on premise, you went to a managed service or you did a hybrid. So a lot of the drivers is the business solution. Is the business solution purely on the cloud? If it is, you've no choice. If that's what you want, you have to go for it. If that's going to improve your business. If it's one of the more legacy solutions, you probably still have a choice. But as we found, all the core banking systems now have started to move to the cloud. The mortgage applications are a little bit slower coming up. But if you want something that's more like a loan or an e-savings and your CRM and your single view, they are already cloud-born. They are things that are now running on the cloud and you build them to fit your requirements. So it's that massive change is, we always said this, you don't buy technology for technology's sake, you buy it to build a business solution, to fit something that your business needs and to drive your business and make your business not only sustainable, but actually for the future in the sense of, are you gonna be around next week? So I think that's the biggest driver. What does the business need and where are those solutions and get the best in breed? And you'll probably now find they will be on the cloud. And I guess from what you're saying as well, that before you mentioned the leap of faith that, that some, <laughs> some people will see, I, I guess if, if it's um, something that's fully packaged up and, and a fully cloud-enabled solution, then that really does reduce the... Um, I don't know, the, the fear around making that change. Mm, yes, very much, yeah. Okay, so if, if we go into a bit more detail on that then, you know, uh, like you mentioned five years ago when, when things would have looked very different and, and probably in five years' time, if we could look forward, they will again. I guess it's, it's to do with the overheads associated with these projects as well. So if we do have the tools, you know, for example, DevOps from in, in Azure, if the, things like that are available and proven programs, then... It, it makes it much easier to deliver and less, less daunting. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, the nature of application development has massively changed. I think that came from this platformification, which I could only say just about. But, you know, that started to happen probably uh, 2010 onwards, when, like I say, a lot of these companies designed a platform that gave you agile development to go into a customer and actually sit in front of them and virtually design their solution you could look at the business processes and literally drag and drop those processes to build an application very very quickly and I think that's being taken up now by the more of the core vendors because these were like the new vendors coming out 
born in the cloud, as I say. So I think that has been the change that you can actually, you know, do these um, minimal viable products very quickly and you can do a project in stages and at each stage show the business benefits and, you know, do the user, uh, 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 user training, not user training, user acceptance training. I think that's become more important. Again, I think we've moved away from actually engaging with the users. When I was developing products, we very much had to do all the test and, and development alongside a user group who then fed back exactly what they thought about the, the product you were delivering. I think that's come back as well. And we build that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think that's the pushback that, you know, we've seen so many products come out on the market that aren't fit for purpose. And, you know, those companies don't exist probably now, but I think now there's this massive pushback to do a project three to six months, deliver something quickly to the business, but something that is viable, gives those business returns and is accepted by the users. So I think there's been a massive change there from the user community saying, we are just not interested in taking on board products that, to be honest, don't do what I need it to do. And I think there's two really key points there, you know, get, get into that minimum viable product, you know, as quickly as we can so that we can start seeing a return. But what I also pick up on from this is that regardless of where we are with the technology, what you're also talking about is the importance of getting close to the, to the clients, whether that be a multinational yeah. bank or a small mutual in one part of the UK and, and getting close to them and designing a solution that works for them and works for their end users and then ultimately their clients as well. Yeah. Uh, and I don't see that ever changing, you know, in business. We need to have that relationship. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I hope, you know, I mean, one of the things, and I've done probably like yourself, Ben, lots of sales training over the years. Uh, the one things that always came out from, from my uh, sort of training and, and my feedback from my trainers was empathy, having the empathy with the customer. And I, I know that can be quite an, un, uh, an overused word, but I think that is one of the things that I try to do by getting close to the customer and really understanding and making them feel that even though I am the sales account manager or whatever title I have this week, that I actually do actually understand the project. I'll put my hand up. You know, I don't understand every single project, but I do understand the majority of the projects I get involved with. And that's where I find the comfort zone is to go and be with that customer. You are there 24-7. We've all sat there and ate pizza at three o'clock in the morning while systems are fixed and, and uh, you know, being there at half past seven in the morning, having a breakfast meeting because it meant you were actually working through the breakfast meeting on requirements. So that sort of, you know, synergy with the customer is exceptionally important. Yeah, and that, that relationship, isn't it? The, the, you've got to sit the same side of the table with the client so that you're working in partnership with them rather than the, the very old-fashioned idea of having a client and a vendor. Mm, yeah. and, and, and my experience of DXC is that that's your commitment as well, you know, to, to be that, that local touch as well as being a global organisation. Yes, and obviously the unit I work in, which is the Microsoft Business Applications Unit, that stemmed from a company that DXC bought. So it was a Chesterfield-based company. Uh, one of the key uh, Microsoft partners in the UK, you know, a platinum partner, uh, had worked on Microsoft projects for over 20 years, gets absorbed into DXC. We are still that individual unit with our individual teams. We align ourselves very closely 
to Microsoft are still seen as a very key partner, obviously. But now it's opened up. We've now become the Microsoft business unit globally. So I'm involved with some South American banks at the moment, some Nordic banks, some mid-east uh, European, Eastern European banks. Uh, we get involved with the wider DXC banking and capital markets team. So we have a lot of skills there. People have been around the industry as long as me. And we can bring in any of the IP that we have, but the IP that larger DXC has. So there are some times when I get approached that I say it's not actually a Microsoft solution. So pass it to the Oracle people or the SAP people. We have the banking skills around core banking with Temenos and, and other product, uh, uh, products. So basically, you know, I've got now this global reach. We've got the data centers provided by Microsoft across the world. We've got our teams in India, Jordan, Israel. I think we've got one in Costa Rica as well, um, which is going to help with Central America and South America. So we have these teams we can actually get involved with when and where it's needed. We had a customer, yes, who said, you know, he needed Indian resources. But a lot of the customers I work with in the UK and Ireland like it to be local. So we've got a, an innovation centre in Newcastle and our Microsoft teams are not all London centric like I'm not. There's a lot of my pre-sales and my delivery teams are all scattered throughout the UK. So local to a lot of the customers they're working with as well. Yeah, it's important, isn't it? It's, it's important to know the cultural fit is there as well, which we find when we move into different parts of the globe. But like you yeah. just said, even even within the UK, you know, understanding what works in Yorkshire compared to London. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. I always say I'm actually, uh, I actually crossed the border and lost my passport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's dangerous for me. I live so close to Derbyshire. <laughs> well, Trish, as ever, it's been a pleasure talking to you uh, and um, definitely an eye-opener as to how we can help organisations of any size move forward with digitisation projects and help them see a return a little bit quicker than maybe they sometimes envisage. Mm, absolutely agree, Ben. And thank you again for the invite today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Documents and thanks again to Patricia Moore of DXC for joining us this month. You can learn more about the work that Trish and her colleagues do at dxc.com and you can learn more about Formpipe by searching for us on LinkedIn or Twitter. If you found this podcast useful or you've learned something new, then please do give us a rating or review on your go-to podcast platform of choice. I'm Ben Saxton. Catch you next time on Beyond the Documents.